Let's talk about something near and dear to our hearts, our furry companions. Life is full of unexpected twists, just like the ones we love to uncover about our favorite celebs. But sometimes those twists involve our four-legged friends. Imagine navigating the unpredictable world of pet parenthood, where every day is a new adventure. Our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, wants to share a message to help make sure you're prepared for any unexpected curveballs, whether it's a sudden illness or an unplanned trip to the vet. Spot Pet Insurance can be your secret weapon against the unexpected. With Spot, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills, helping you with those surprising expenses that seem to pop up when you least expect them. But wait, there's more. Spot Pet Insurance plans go beyond just offering coverage for accidents and illnesses. You can enhance your plan with their preventive care benefit, ensuring that routine wellness, vaccines, and more can be covered too. Head over to spotpet.com today to get a quote instantly. Trust us, it's the easiest thing you'll do to help secure the well-being of your dog or cat. Visit www.spotpet.com today. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, co-insurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com slash sample hyphen policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And we're the girls behind Comments by Celebs. And welcome to another episode of our Kardashian bonus show. So as you know, we have two more episodes after this until the season premieres and we can do our recaps, which... God bless. I say it every week. The God day, bless. yeah, the day cannot come sooner. Let me tell you. Anyway, in honor of Sophia Richie's twenty-first birthday, we decided that we were going to do a Richie family deep dive this week. So, kind of breaking down every little aspect of them and their family. There's so much there, and I don't know. I'm excited for this one. Me too. And also, let's think like potentially they could be really involved in the Kardashians. Oh, totally. Like if Scott and Sophia really progress to the point they're like, even if they get married, boom. Could you imagine? In laws. Listen, yeah. <laughs> Your dad is so proud. I know. Anyway, so the way that we're going to do this is we're going to basically do it chronologically. So, you know, starting with Lionel and the whole evolution. But as we get to each kid, we're going to break off and kind of do a little segment about them. So we're going to get into the whole like Nicole Paris era and the whole Sophia Paris era, just everything, all of the little details and some stuff that some of you may know and some stuff that you definitely had no idea about. Exactly. How does that sound? Sounds. I'm really excited for this episode. No, me too. I'm I feel also, like there's a lot here that people um, don't know, especially with Nicole. Yeah. I'm also just in, like, in an amazing mood right now. Of course. Are you? <laughs> the other thing is that, I just it's like a heads up, this episode will be released today and our other episode, our regular episode, we're recording tomorrow night with Darren Karp. Um, so it's going to be released Wednesday morning. So just heads up for that. That episode, I'm telling you guys. Stacked. Holy, really stacked. No, stacked. Literally everything from like Miley, Liam, Trisha. Trisha Paytas' meltdown. We're going to bring you through the whole thing. What else? I don't even know. It's going to be a really long so episode. Talk about Sophia's yeah. 21st. There's so much on that episode. I'm so excited. Okay. Yeah, this won't talk about Sophia's 21st really because we want to get into it in the Kardashian next episode. This is just going to be about like them as a family. Yeah. You mean the Kardashian recap? I mean the Kardashian recap, yes. Okay. Buckle up, ladies and gentlemen. We are starting... June 20th, 1949, in Alabama. That is where Lionel Richie, who is the patriarch of this entire family, was born. For anybody counting, he that makes him 70, and he is also a Gemini. Interesting to keep in mind because this is a family of Virgos. So Miles is a Gemini. Yeah, Miles is a Gemini. That's, but that's what's so interesting is that the two girls are Virgos and the two boys are Geminis. Yep. Yeah. So in the mid-60s, he was a student at Tuskegee Institute, and he formed a succession of R&B groups. So in 1968, 
that's when he became a singer and saxophonist with the Commodores. Is that how you say it? Commodores, correct. And they signed a recording contract with Atlantic Records in 1968 for one record before moving on to Motown Records. Explain the Jackson 5 thing here. So... I'm not 100% sure of what happened or what the sport was, but the the move to Motown was in support of the Jackson 5. And I guess because Jackson 5 was with Motown, they decided to shift and and uh, bring it together. Um, Lionel and Michael Jackson had a really close relationship. Obviously, I'm not 100% sure of Lionel's stance now with everything that's come to light, but um, both Sophia and Nicole's godfather is Michael Jackson and— Or was Michael Jackson, sorry. And— um, Miles considers Paris Jackson his god sis. Like, if you ever see him post about her on Instagram, he'll write, God sis Paris. Yeah. And and Sophia and Paris are really, really good friends. But that's what's so interesting, like, which we always talk about, is that how interconnected Hollywood is. You know what I mean? Like, Paris Hilton, Paris Jackson, Sophia, they're all really close. When we get into this, you're going to see just how, especially with, like, the people that Sophia's dated or, like, Sophia's been interactive with, it's... It, it it's so much smaller than you think it is. It no, really I know. is. It's uh, you know people always say like, oh come on Hollywood, like can't you go outside of the typical dating pool? And I think that there's some sort of sense of like comfort, or maybe they feel like they've been vetted, whatever it is, and they really maintain a similar, you know. No, I know, and I think we also find that there is this um, camaraderie among celebrity children because first of all, a lot of them are sent to the same schools. There's not a ton of schools that they get sent to, and it's pretty much the same couple of private schools, so they end up. Um, growing up together. And also, you know, with private schools, especially in a close area, they all kind of intermix. So Mm -hmm. I think for generations and generations, we've seen these celebrity children's gravitate towards one another. And that kind of, you know, groups everybody together and brings the families together. It's like if you live in New York, it's kind of like Horace Mann, Fieldston, and Riverdale. Everybody knows each other kind of thing. Oh my God. Every city kid knows each other. So in 1975, when he was 26, he married his college sweetheart, Brenda Harvey. That was fast math. I didn't put the age in there. Yeah. (laughs) Good work, kid. Thanks. And seven years later in 1982 was when he really started his solo career. And his debut album was Lionel Richie. The album hit number three on the music charts and it sold over four million copies. So he was one of those guys. And when I was like thinking about all this, I don't want to say he was like always destined for greatness, but he his initial song was like a hit. You know what I mean? It's yeah, not like yeah, he had yeah. to get it there. It came right out of the gate. It came right it. out of yeah. the gate with a hit. And one well, year- it's because he had already, you know, kind of established himself from the Commodores that he was able to establish a solo career. But it's not, all, you know, it doesn't always work out like no, that. No, it doesn't. Think it about, actually usually doesn't. That's what I'm saying. Think about how many people went away, like, I don't know, one direct, whatever. And they went away and, and they just couldn't do it on the, they needed the yeah. power of everyone. Anyway, so one year later in 1983, it was his album, Can't Slow Down. And that sold over twice as many copies. He won two Grammys, including Album of the Year. And this was when he really became like, I don't know, the, not the pinnacle of international superstardom, but in a way, he really rose to the top. Yeah, this is when Lionel Richie became Lionel Richie. Yeah, and on the album was his song, All Night Long, which he performed at the closing ceremonies of the 1984 Olympics in LA, which is such an iconic thing. Do you remember with All Night Long that when they, when Scott and Sophia first started dating, Scott posted a video of Sophia dancing and she's dancing to all night long. But it, no, I, I don't know if people really realize that. I watched that video probably three times before I was sitting in the kitchen with my mom watching it. And she was like, why are you listening to Lionel Richie? And I was like, oh my God, yeah. you're so right. She was like, what? And I was like, it's a video that Scott took of Sophia dancing 
and the song she's dancing to is is Lionel Richie. I know. Remember how hot she looked in that video? She looks. She's so. She's. Yeah. No. We talk about it all the time. All Julie and I talk about is how hot Sophie Richie is. We talk about how hot she is more than how hot Scott is. Yeah. Truly. Truly. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> For two Not straight- that there's like a huge difference there in the amount that we speak about, but it's definitely, I think we may even speak about Sophia more. Yeah. Um, so in terms of, we kind of just wanted to get th- like that part of his career out of the way because we want to get into the stuff about Nicole because it's really interesting. And I think that this is, it's either one of two ways. Either you know what we're about to say and you're like, duh, or you have no idea and this is actually blowing your fucking mind. If this is duh for you, I apologize. But I have to say the reason that I, I think it's not the case for everybody is because when I first told Emma this story, she had no idea, yeah. admittedly. And this weekend when I was telling your dad that we were doing this episode, he was like, wait, what? He grew up with Lionel Richie yeah. and he had no idea. So their first daughter that um, Brenda and Lionel had was Nicole Richie but she is not their biological daughter. Nicole was born on September 21st, 1981. She is 37 now. She's a Virgo, family of Virgos, remember? (laughs) And her biological parents' names are Peter Michael Escovito and Karen Moss. So what happened here was Peter was, Peter and um, her mom, Karen, were very involved in the music industry. And Peter actually worked for Lionel for a period of time. I think he was in his band. And... His sister, Sheila E., who's a very famous singer, um, who was also really close with Lionel. So the families knew each other. And when Lionel Richie was at a Prince concert, Nicole was four years old, and he said he saw her on stage with tambourines and no one was paying attention to her. And he said to the parents who he knew at the time, like, who were definitely going through some issues. They had some financial issues. They were always on the road touring. The kid was, Nicole was bouncing from family to family, from family member to family member. And she was just like in limbo, he says. So he says, um, they're on stage in the middle of the concert was this four-year-old kid playing tambourine. So I went backstage. I knew the mother and I knew the father. And of course they were having difficulties in their relationship. And I said, well, you're having a difficulty. This kid is sitting out there in limbo. So I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll just put the kid in my house until the tour is over. And then we'll sort this out later. What ended up happening was it was never sorted out. Yeah. So yeah, this was when she was four. Remember yes. that? The, he, she was in his house for five more years. And when she was nine, which was in 1989, it was when Lionel and his wife, Brenda, legally adopted her. Yeah. So what he had said was um, it had took about a year for him to like fall fully in love with her. He always had, you know, obviously this connection to her. He, he wouldn't have taken her in. But he, I mean, he was dad by that point. It took a year for him to be dad. And he says, you know, she was this little button. And of course, by that time I was dad. So I said, okay, here's what we're going to do. You're going to make everyone wish they had adopted you. You're going to make everyone in your family wish they actually had a chance to get you back. And that's when I said to Brenda, let's adopt her. And that was when she was nine. And I think a lot of people don't realize that Nicole isn't, first of all, biologically Lionel's. And second of all, had really this crazy backstory. It was a very unconventional adoption is basically what happened because when he initially took her in, it was not with the intent of permanently adopting her. Like the whole thing was, listen, while you guys figure your shit out, like here's your adorable, beautiful child. Let me take care of her and make sure that she's safe and protected and taken care of. And like you sort it out, but they never sorted it out. So it, it ended up an adoption that wasn't planned from the start. And I, I have to read this part. So there's this Huffington Post video where Nicole was interviewing Lionel and he, they were talking about, you know, her abandonment issues that she had as a toddler. And he said, I'm quoting, I said to you, I'm never, ever going to leave you. And you had this little look on your face. And I said, no, no, listen, I'm never going to leave you. 
Nicole says that she like very vividly remembers this. And then he said, it was very important that you understood that no matter when I went away, if it was two months or one month or two weeks, I'm coming right back. And as soon as you realize that, okay, he's not leaving me, he's just going to work, then I think you felt safer. That fucking hits. That yeah. story hits. I mean, think about it. It's like, not only is she so used to bouncing home to home, she's at such a young fundamental age, but now she's taken in by, you know, this father who also for his job has to travel. It's, it's, it's so wild. It is, it like, I, it doesn't get old for me. No, it's, it's really an incredible story. And, you know, for Lionel Richie, it's not even like this girl was his niece or, you know, you hear about that a lot. You hear, you know, Eminem talking his niece and read like, what. this was just a girl that he saw needed help and took her in and not just raised her as her own. Like that's his daughter. Mm -hmm. There's no, if if you were to ask Nicole, it's not a, 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 biological versus adopted dad. It's Lionel Richie's her father. For least. sure. I mean, and, and it, uh, oh my God, we're going to get so much more into the the role that he plays in your life. But he's really, um, from everything that I can tell and everything I've seen, such like a loving, caring, involved father. Just like one of those dads that is just excited to be a dad. Yeah. You know the type? <laughs> <laughs> Sound familiar? <laughs> no, that's exactly what he is. So five years after Nicole was born in 1986, Lionel started having an affair um, with this woman, Diane Alexander. Hey, we never said he was perfect. (laughs) (laughs) She she was going to go on to be his second wife, and she was a dancer. So they met for the first time two years previously before the affair started in 1984. At the Olympics. At the Olympics. And in 1986, the year of the affair, she appeared in his music video for Dancing on the Ceiling, which, I mean, if that's not a fucking affair story, if I've ever heard one, like, come on. So two years after the affair started, in 1988, Brenda, his current wife, caught Lionel cheating on her with Diane at Diane's apartment. So what happened was she, I guess, speculated it, and she showed up at Diane's apartment at 2 a.m. She allegedly, and we quote, drop-kicked Lionel. (laughs) Neighbors called the police because they heard someone screaming, and when the police came, they found Brenda kicking Lionel on the ground. It couldn't fucking get crazier. I'm sorry. The funniest article about this that I read when I was researching it, because I actually didn't know this story, but somebody wrote the article and was like, um, Lionel Richie told police that uh, she had kicked him in the stomach. And then in parentheses, it says in the article, which would only make sense if Lionel Richie's stomach is about six inches lower than everybody else's. (laughs) (laughs) While I was reading this, it brought me back for a second. And those of you who listen to the Kris Jenner deep dive would get this reference. When she walked in on Todd having an affair. Yeah. Or when Robert Walked found in. them in the car yeah. and was hitting it with the with the golf club or whatever. Yeah. I mean, listen, all great Hollywood stories have some sort of very intense affair. It's yeah. Just, it's just a it's fact just part of life. Of life. Yeah. It just is. So a neighbor who of, of Brenda said, quote, Lionel was there and it was obvious that his wife had just found him with Diane. His wife was really, really mad. Glass broke and furniture crashed around inside. It sounded like she was killing someone. It wasn't very civilized. Whew. So... She, his wife, Brenda, was booked on suspicion of corporal injury to a spouse, resisting arrest, trespassing, vandalism, battery, and disturbing the peace. She was released on $5,000 bail. But holy fuck. What a story, right? I just, what a story. And then they didn't even officially get divorced until 93. Which is crazy because that happened in 88. Yeah. And I, I don't know if it was a really long drawn on divorce, if they were trying to make it work. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. There's very limited information. If I had to guess, it was a long drawn on divorce. I'm sure. When you have a cheating scandal and that much money and presumably no prenup because of when they got married, yeah. It's going to get messy. Good, yeah. Also, when they divorced, 
I guess because of the turmoil that this split was causing in the house, they were apparently very kind of like indulgent when it came to Nicole. And she did this Vanity Fair article and she said, quote, their way of making me happy was to say yes to everything I wanted, but I don't think a little girl should have that much freedom. Very interesting of her like reflecting on that now. Yeah. Well, I think that she's had a lot in her life where she can say, I'm so grateful to my parents, but you know, there are certain things they did that definitely caused me to go down the road I did. Plus the backstory of before my parents even got involved that caused me to end up that way. So I just think it's interesting. And I so understand the approach that they were taking. I think it's such a typical like child of divorce, like especially when you know their backstory isn't the greatest and you just want them to feel safe and loved. And it's like, how do we, how do we make sure a little girl knows that? You buy them stuff. Yeah. I mean, little kids don't, I mean, they understand like safety and security and love, but when your parents are going through a divorce and your dad's kind of on the road and famous, it's like, how do you make sure they know that? And in their heads, it was like, let's just give her everything she wants. Yeah. Let's just make sure she knows. I also don't know if this thought makes sense. I, it kind of just formed in my head, but the fact that she said that in an interview made me happy because it made me feel, and I didn't, I didn't, I had no knowledge of this one way or another, that like she does, she obviously feels so grateful to Lionel, but she truly considers him her father to the point where like she's willing to admit things that they potentially did wrong as opposed to solely putting him on a pedestal and saying like, nothing you could ever do is wrong because you took me in. Whereas this was like, I can confidently say I have an unbelievable parents, but listen, they could have done things better, which I liked because it was so authentic. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, you're so right. I get what you mean. She never feels like she owes him anything. And that's what, and that's why the relationship is so healthy. And I believe she has a really good, I'm not a hundred percent sure about this, but from what I understand, she has a good relationship with her mom and, and she, it's not just Lionel that adopted her. Her mom adopted her as well. They adopted her together. And the adoption took place like around the time that they were separating. Yeah. I have no idea, by the way, and we tried to find this and we couldn't, about her relationship with her biological parents. I still don't know. Yeah, it's really um, unclear. I read a lot about Sheila E., who's her aunt, who was her dad's uh, brother, her dad's sister, sorry. And Sheila E., also her mom, was Sheila's assistant at the time. And from what I understand, the family is just incredibly grateful to the Richies for taking her in. Like, there's no anger there. There's no—I think they they kind of accept uh, if they wanted to and they wanted to get their shit together, they should have. And, and it kind of ended up like this. I think that maybe there's some resentment there or some— you know, it's never going to be perfect. A situation like that is never just going to be a clean cut. Okay, she's your kid now, and we're okay with that. I think there was a story about her parents— her biological parents moving into the Richie's house for a little while. Like he said, you can take this wing of my house. I want you to be involved. And they just couldn't make it work. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, it's sad, but it also has a, has a happy ending. I feel like. Yeah. So on December 21st, 1995, which was nine years after their affair started, Lionel and Diane got married. And on May 27th, 1994, which was a year before they got married, they had their son, Miles. He is 25. He's a Gemini again, like Lionel. We're not really going to get too much into him because we're about to get into the whole like Nicole era, drugs, all that kind of stuff. So we wanted to just give you a little synopsis on on Miles. From what we can see, he appears to have a really good relationship with Sophia. He He has an amazing relationship with his mom also. And his dad. Yeah. yeah, He like idolizes his dad and like calls himself like a mama's boy. It's really... If you look at his Instagram, it's very family focused. Yeah. He is also a model. And he, if you, if you're like hearing the name Miles Richie and it sounds familiar, it's because he most recently made headlines this January when he was detained um, at Heathrow Airport in London 
there was this whole thing. He was like threatening to, to detonate a bomb and punching an airport security guard. It was a whole kind of ordeal. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure. Weird story. Apparently he was pissed about not being able to get on a flight. I don't know. It seems like just something that got taken yeah. to the next level for some reason. Anyway, um, right now he's signed to Wilhelmina Models and he made his first runway debut at New York Fashion Week in 2018. For anybody that's a Kardashian fan, I just want to, which I presume you are if you're listening to this episode, um, yeah. we want to just talk about the association with Kylie Jenner. Do you want to tell us about that? So yeah. So in May 2014, there was this really controversial video that was leaked or released of Kylie Jenner giving Miles a tattoo of her initials. So they were at um, a recording studio in Hollywood and Miles had his tattoo artist come to give him tattoos. He's covered in tattoos. In an article, he says something about he probably has like hundreds and hundreds of hours worth of tattoos on his body. Um, So anyways, Kylie wanted to, you know, try what it was like giving a tattoo and they let her um, and he, she initialed his, she initialed her initials on his finger. But technically, that's illegal. You can't, unless you're licensed and unless you're over the age of 18, you can't give a tattoo. Um, I don't think there was any legal action that was taken. It was just like everyone was like, this isn't, this isn't chill. Yeah. Chloe and French Montana were there at the time, watching it all go down. It's fucking back in the good old days, the pre-Tristan era. Do you think they could ever get back? I know it's going a little off topic, but do you Chloe. think French and Chloe could ever get back together? You know, I was thinking about that when I was watching Flip It Like Disick because of how close him and French are. And her and French are still close. I know. I don't know. I think... I always really liked French. I liked him too. I just sometimes feel like maybe he didn't sweep her off her feet in the way she wanted to be. Maybe. Do you think that's fair? Maybe. I don't know. You know I'd like to revisit the subject. I'd like her to, to think about that a little bit. And add that to the list of questions we want to ask Chloe. Yes. Although I have to say they ended... Like, you know, people say like your ex is your ex for a reason. Not that that means anything. You can totally get back. But I wonder... I would have a better answer to your question if I knew more solidly why they broke up. Because from what we heard, it kind of just like didn't work out. Fizzled. Fizzled. Yeah. yeah. It's hard when it fizzles. Yeah. There wasn't enough. You know You know why? Because if it, if it fizzles in the first place, it's kind of hard to say like there's enough emotion to want to get back together. Exactly. Again, not always, but sometimes. So in 1998 was when Diane and Lionel had Sophia. It was August 24th. It was just her birthday a couple of days ago. She's 21 now, obviously. And she is a Virgo like Nicole. So as we said earlier, by the way, her godfather was Michael Jackson. Just an interesting thing to point out, I think. So Lionel and Diane divorced in 2003. And they, from what everything we've gathered and from what it seems like from just the kids, they have a relatively amicable relationship. There was a headline that said that she apparently requested $300,000 a month in child support. One, I have no idea if that's true. And two, I have no idea how much she actually got because that seems like a crazy amount of money. So yeah, she listed... She asked for $300,000, said that's how much she average spends a month. Um, I I can't imagine that's how much she walked away with. That would be crazy. But she listed all of her expenses. And one of the expenses that she listed was $20,000 a year in plastic surgery. That yeah. was one of her like important expenses that she listed for the courts. Hey, I love a girl who's honest. Me? Oh my God, same. I would list $20,000 of plastic surgery in a heartbeat. If you had access to Dr. Orion in the way that they do, please. Please. It would, it's... Do you think about, honestly, how many divorce agreements Dr. Orion is placed in the middle of? Dr. Orion, Nurse Jamie. Any of them. All of them. But with them specifically in mind. It's not just plastic surgery. It's like, I go to Dr. Orion. I have this appointment on this day every single couple of months with him. It's probably, honestly, like Mindy Weiss. I'm sure Mindy Weiss is in agreements. Like, for example, we have our kid's birthday party, you know, once, however many kids you have, how many times a year. And 
Mindy Weiss is planning it. She charges X. I would not be surprised in LA if that's in a divorce agreement. I swear to God. Oh my God. I would, you know what? I would love to look at like a really modern, really rich uh, prenup agreement. Yeah. Be fascinating. Or alimony agreement. Yeah. Okay. What we want to do now is, like I said, we're going chronologically, but also then taking major tangents because it's necessary. So we're taking you now to 2003. It was the same year that Lionel and Diane divorced. And this was when Nicole starred in the first season of The Simple Life with Paris, obviously. Just telling you, the whole section we're about to get into is is a solid Nicole chunk. So just yeah, buckle I, up. You know what? I know this is Kardashian. You should, it should be a little heavy, Sophia. But I don't know. I think you guys are really going to love this. I think so, too. So she started, obviously, with on The Simple Life. And it premiered on Fox on December 2nd, 2003, to an audience of 13 million viewers. So the backstory for The Simple Life was that initially it was supposed to feature Paris and Nikki. But Nikki declined it because, and I, I think this is something we all know, she's kind of like the shyer one of the two of them. Yeah. Paris was definitely more like the, quote, personality, I think, at least from the public. So she, Paris was, I think, genuinely considering doing it alone, but Fox really wanted to be a pair. So initially she asked Casey Johnson, who is the heiress to Band-Aid. Johnson like, and Johnson. Insane. And she she declined. So Paris then made the agreement to do the show with Nicole, which... Thank the fucking Lord she did. Let oh me tell you something. Oh my God. I have to tell you, and I recently, I, I know I've said this, I recently rewatched, rewatched The Simple Life. Nicole has one of the best personalities I have ever seen on TV. Yeah. I was telling you in the car, I was like literally ranting about it. I think she is so funny, so personable. She was amazing on the show. And also, I think that's something that like really made her stick out is because they both were obviously coming from backgrounds socioeconomically that were not at all aligned with the people that they were staying with. And while Paris was super sweet and she was likable, she wasn't relatable. And Nicole had this ability to, while she was still ridiculously wealthy, be kind of relatable in a way from a personality yeah. standpoint that Paris just didn't have and it worked for them. It, it They balanced each other out. Nicole was the more, not down to earth, but her humor just aligned with everybody's. Mm -hmm. It just, it, it was exactly the humor we love. Like it was dirty, it was raunchy, but it was sweet and like good. And ah, there's so many things, but it's really interesting because I was reading about the first initial meeting that Paris had about the simple life. And, and the person she had met with said, the, the reason they fell in love with the idea of the show is because when they met Paris, they said she wasn't, they never got the vibe that she was stupid. They got the vibe she was a very intelligent girl who knew exactly the world that she lived in and yeah. was very well aware of it. And that's why the show worked. Because it wasn't like in, for example, my Super Sweet 16, when they did that whole thing where they sent them to third world countries to kind of like give them a taste of reality. Those girls were in this world where they didn't realize that there was an outside world. What they described about Paris is that she kind of fully realized it and was so aware of the world that she was living in that it almost made her more likable. Yeah, I, I really, I, I totally agree with that. Mm -hmm. I do. And she's not stupid. We know that. She is a very smart girl. And I think she got this reputation of being this like ditzy heiress blonde. And it's not true. No, but it works for her. Yeah. She plays into it because it works. You know what I mean? Because then she can say like, oh, by the way, like, didn't know that I did 15 million in my fragrances last Keep year? Keep expectations. I always say that yeah. to you. It's true. Keep expectations low. People will be surprised every single time. Yes. So the show lasted for five seasons, but after the third season, that's when Paris and Nicole were no longer friends. So the fourth and fifth seasons were picked up by E! And comparatively speaking to the first three, like no comparison in terms of ratings. Um, and it was in the fifth season that Nicole and Paris kind of rekindled their friendships. And it was all about them as camp counselors in Malibu. 
You know where they filmed that at the camp? The UJA camp in Malibu. That's like Camp Shalom or something. That's so funny. No. So, But it wasn't while camp was in session. They had different like camp experiential treatments come in while. (laughs) Fucking Paris. Okay. We're going to get now into the feud. Would you like to start us off? Yeah. So first of all, if you remember this feud, it was literally heartbreaking because they were the best friends. They were inseparable. And especially when you saw it on The Simple Life, it was like, how could these two ever have anything to fight about? All they did was laugh. All they did was laugh and they had the same lifestyle and it was just perfect. But in 2005, the rumors started circulating that Paris and Nicole weren't friends anymore. And there were a lot of rumors going around about why. One of the rumors was that before her sex tape, sex tape was leaked, that Nicole had showed people her sex, had showed Paris' sex tape at a party. Um, that was one of the rumors never confirmed. The other thing that was kind of the more popular rumor or the more um, accepted belief was that Paris just felt that Nicole had gotten too big from The Simple Life. And I think what happened was, you know, this was Paris's show. It was her, you know, concept, her thing to bring to fruition. And she brought Nicole on as an afterthought. And Nicole was so likable in the show that her career and her personality and who she is really blew up. And I think that started to make Paris a little jealous or intimidated, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, which is interesting because if you look at present day, she kind of brought Kim onto the scene too and look at Kim now and she couldn't be happier. So I think that that speaks to kind of an evolution of, of Paris's character. Yeah, because, well, when that first started happening with Kim, though, Paris wasn't happy. Yeah, I wonder true. why that is, that Paris has this thing where she can bring somebody on, but because they... I think, and I, and I don't mean this in a mean way, I think it's just like the Paris Hilton effect. Like, regardless of who you are, you know the name Paris Hilton. It carries a different weight. To me, it almost carries a different weight than Kim because... This is a really weird analogy that doesn't make sense. It's almost like old money in the sense. Like, you know what I'm saying? The it's Hilton's, old Hollywood. It's old Hollywood. Like Paris has been iconic forever. Yeah. And I think that when other people come on and then become like, quote, icons, it's like, wait a second. Like, I'm, you know who's the but, real one here? Yeah, no, I, I totally understand that. And I agree with what you're saying. What I'm saying is, what do you think it is about Paris? Let me reword the question. What do you think it is about Paris that makes her friends then shoot up maybe a little bit even above her? What I'm thinking is, though, Paris has such a unique personality that if you're going to be friends with her, you also have to have something special about your personality. And maybe she just finds this quality in people and she sees it before anybody else. That's totally possible. Also, I think that most of her friends come from similar circles, so they yeah. already have a leg up in terms of yeah. like their ability to be famous. You know what I mean? So there's probably something there. Totally. So in... April of that year, 2005, it was when Paris spoke about their kind of like riff for the first time in her statement saying, quote, it's no big secret that Nicole and I are no longer friends. Nicole knows what she did and that's all I'm ever going to say about it. That same year in November, Nicole went on the Today Show and all she said was, quote, Paris and I just grew apart and that it, quote, just turned into a much bigger thing than it is. We still didn't know what it was about. So during this time was when the fourth season of The Simple Life came out. And they were not friends during the season. And this was the season that they filmed in L.A. And it really focused on uh, the two of them as people and their careers rather than, you know, the families that they were going to. They still went to these families. But what ended up happening is, I don't know if you remember this, they went to the same families just on different times. Yeah. So it would be like Paris's experience with this family, then Nicole's experience with this family, then the next family, Paris's experience, Nicole's experience. Well, wasn't it like Simple Life Till Death Do Us Part. Wasn't that the thing? Yeah, yeah. I think that's what it was because it was married couples. Yeah. Maybe I think that the show was trying to like uh, 
you know. Listen, they were doing their best with a shitty situation. Like, how are you? Yeah. Gonna, how are you going to go from them being best friends to them being enemies and still make it lovable? And they definitely spoke about each other very negatively on the show, but they never said, came out and said, like, this is exactly what she did. It was always like Nicole knows what she did, or we just grew apart. Which is like, the Nicole knows what she did makes me somewhat believe the sex tape rumor because it's kind of pointing to a specific thing rather than like a, this is just who she is now. Yeah, I mean, who knows and. And that's one. Talk about a question in Hollywood that I would love to know. Like, even if you know about it, nobody knows or very few people, I think, probably know the real ins and outs of every single thing. And I would love to know that. Yeah. Nicole and Paris breakup is is like the missing 11 and a half, 11 and a half minutes from the Nixon tapes. Yes. Wow. Yeah. That's why I keep you around. I know. Because who else would reference the missing Lit- 11 and a half minutes from the Nixon tapes? Absolutely. Arlene. <laughs> yeah. Literally Arlene, my aunt. Okay. So in October of 2006, this was in the next year, they were spotted out together in LA having dinner at Dan Tana's. And quote, they looked like best friends to me, which is what a fellow like diner said to People Magazine. And they said, it seemed as if they had never gotten into a fight. They were laughing really loud and seemed more than happy to be together. There wasn't a slow moment in their conversation. They chatted nonstop. They left hand in hand smiling. So Harris's publicist is this guy, Elliot Mintz, who is incredibly well-known in the celebrity PR world, like incredibly. And he released a statement also to people that said, they had a meal last night. It's not my place to say what was discussed or the nature of the meal, but it's a good thing when people have a meal together. And when they asked him, like if they were best friends again, he said, I wouldn't characterize it in that way because I don't know if it was business or, pl- or business or personal, discuss- personal discussion. Let's just watch it unfold. Do you know what I'm gonna, my question is now? No. Do you think... That if Paris and Nicole were able to have a reconciliation after a fight that big, that, you still don't, you still don't know where I'm going with this? Keep going. That Kylie and Jordan could ever have that. Yeah. Um, Different circumstances, I totally understand. I'm just saying, public feuds like that are not, it, even, even the backstory, you know, it's the public feud that everyone knows you're fighting and everyone knows that you guys aren't friends anymore. That's the hard part to really overcome too. Super interesting and amazing question. Um, my initial thought is, in this case, or so we think, Nicole betrayed Paris. In maybe. The, m- maybe, or whatever, but so Paris, like, we're just going, let's go with that narrative. Okay. That it was, she showed the sex tape, for example. In the Kylie example, not only did Jordan betray Kylie, she also betrayed Chloe and the entire family. So per, one could argue, I think, that it's easier to get over something when it's only you. Like, you have to make yeah. the decision for yourself. Like, you know what? She fucked me over. I'm going to take the high road or whatever. Versus when you're making that decision, you could potentially feel, Kylie could potentially feel like she was betraying her family. Right. I don't no, know. No, I, I, I understand. Listen, I don't know. I've I've always thought that there's a chance. I, you know, not, sorry, not to get off topic just for one second. I, I like our little tangent. <laughs> I've just been, we didn't even talk about this. I've just been like really thinking a lot about Jordan this past week. I guess she's been posting a lot. And I read something that her mom. Yes. The, oh, maybe we're saying two different things. You say your thing first. Well, her mom did an interview or something and said that, that when the whole Kylie thing happened, that she really lost a lot of her friends. And if you see the way she's, the friends that she has are not that they're new, but they're new for us. Like we yeah. haven't been seeing these people. And I just, I don't know. I had a real moment of like empathy for Jordan. She's killing it. She's fucking killing it. I'm so proud of her. And what she did was unacceptable totally. But God, it's really... It's fu- sad. It's, it's hard sad. to watch somebody go through it. And, and going off of what you just said, because I don't know if it was the same interview, but she... I, I don't know where I read this. Maybe Elle. I don't know if it was an interview with Elle, but it was definitely Elle posted it. Um, that she, that Jordan had said, you know, the worst breakup I ever went through in my life was my dad dying. And no, nothing else after that 
even matters. Like it prepared me for any other type of heartbreak I'll ever go through. So I just thought that was so interesting in light of the situation where it's like, you know, we we really, really feel for Jordan. And I think that sometimes we don't acknowledge enough what she's gone through. I just, I don't know. There's so many moving pieces. I know it has nothing to do with what we're talking about in the That's deep fine. dive. I just, I just feel like the the lack of having a best friend is hard to watch somebody go through. Oh even my. if it was their fault. Even if. Julie, it's, we've said that. It's not us that doesn't realize that. We've always said it. It's, it's, it's so heartbreaking. And not to excuse her behavior, truly. I'm no, not, it's not. But it's, it's still really hard, especially after losing her dad, because this is the time when she probably could use Kylie. And listen, it was her fault that, or her yeah. and Tristan's fault, obviously. But it, yeah. But wait, that I didn't know that she said that about her dad. I say that to you all the time. Yeah. That resonates with, after I lost my mom, I always say, in a way, it made me fearless in the sense of nothing could possibly be worse than this. I yeah. went through the greatest heartbreak that I will ever have to go through. And survived it. And survived it. And actually survived it really well. And yeah. happened to be, like, really building a company while it was all happening. And so to me, like, I get what she's saying about little small things being just— It's just become, perspective. That, yeah, you you get this whole other perspective that— I, And I've said this, like, I wouldn't wish what, you know, losing a parent on anyone. But what I always say is, like, if I had to go through it— Instead of victimizing myself, at least I can feel so grateful for this new perspective that I've gained. And I almost feel like, I sometimes say to my dad, I'm like, don't you in a way feel like we have a leg up against the, the world in a sense of like, we can really recognize the importance of things? I don't know. It's just like, it's a weird phenomenon that I would love to talk more about now right now, but it, it is interesting. Yeah. No, I, yeah. Wow. So let's go on to Nicole, continuing on the Nicole train. There's a lot of different aspects of her life that we're going to tackle, but the whole issue with her weight was the only reason we're bringing it up is because it was a huge story and it was one that she actually spoke about. So she was always known for being thin and not always like during the simple life days, that wasn't a thing. But after it was more and more in the headlines, like Nicole Richie, shockingly thin. If you remember seeing People Magazine or Star Magazine, that on, one picture of her on, on, on the beach on the bikini, in that, in that like, like bandeau, yeah, yep. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. So she had an interview with Vanity Fair at the time, and she said, I know I'm too thin right now, so I wouldn't want any young girl looking at me and saying, that's what I want to look like. And in 2006, it was announced that she was seeking treatment for, quote, an, ability to put, an inability to put on weight, though it was never apparently for an eating disorder. What I think it was, um, from what I was reading in the research that I did, was also no secret. Nicole had a lot of drug, uh, drug addiction issues that we'll get into. So... I think from what people speculated and from what her treatment kind of was, was that it was just a co-occurring disorder where it was, um, you know, not a full eating disorder, I wouldn't say, but it definitely occurred with uh, her addiction issues that she was going through. But if if you remember the first two seasons of The Simple Life, she looked healthy. There wasn't an issue. And then that third season, it was like she was so noticeably thinner. And it was, I think... People really speculated. They didn't know if it was from the drugs. They didn't know if it was from just like the culture of L.A. at the time or if maybe it was because, you know, compared to Paris on the show, people would make comments about, you know, her weight comparatively. And maybe that had a driving force in the weight loss. But she never she she always denied having an eating disorder. She never said I'm anorexic. She always said this isn't you know, this isn't the weight that I want to be. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I hate like the fact that people's weight becomes such a, a storyline in Hollywood. And we've, talking about this, we've spoken about this a lot. The one thing that I think with Nicole, the reason that it um, felt a little different for me, it was, I didn't feel, and maybe now I'm just forgetting what it was like at the time. When I think on it now, I didn't feel like people were skinny shaming her. Like 
I think it was we more so they were concerned. That's no, what it yeah. was because you know what I'm saying. Like, Similar to Misha Barton, it, no one when Misha Barton was was at her or even the Olsen twins. I don't remember which one was the one that struggled with weight issues, but Mary Kate. Mary Kate. It it was never you know. I think we have in our head that the article lines were like, look how great they look walking down the street. It was never that, or look how much weight they lost. It was really, people were very concerned. When you see somebody photographed and they go from being, you know, a healthy weight, maybe thin, maybe good, whatever, and you can see every bone in their body, it's everyone knows. It was never the narrative that like that was okay. Even though people, a lot of people thought it was, and people thought that's what they had to look like, especially in 2000s. But I don't ever remember reading an article about, people being like too skinny and thinking like, oh, you know, they're really making this seem glamorous. It was like they are, people were concerned. With her, yeah. Listen, there are always the fucked up headlines that I feel like we've gotten, we've definitely strayed away from a little more now, which is like, um, you know, so-and-so debuts slimmed down figure in tight black, like it's like, fuck off. That, but what I'm saying is that these weren't the headlines. It was like, Nicole Richie, shockingly thin, scarily thin. Again, still not cool. Like I hate the fact that it's even being discussed. Like it's her weight, let her be it, but it's the tabloids. It's always going to happen. I do remember though, reading an article. Do you remember when people or star used to do this where they would like line up celebrities, so fucked up. They would line up celebrities and they would have doctors like come in and and give their like assessment. Yeah. And I remember reading this one. It was like the doctor said what they think her quote, like normal weight should be. And she was, it was like 30 pounds off. And I remember at the time reading that and being like, holy shit, this is so invasive, but also so scary. I have to say, and I don't agree with the way that it was done, but I think that I personally learned a lot about like eating disorders and the dangers of them from that approach. Mm -hmm. Not that it was right. It was incredibly invasive and it wasn't right. And especially if you are somebody, and we've seen this a lot, that can't put on weight and their body just doesn't let them. And it's, it's not their ideal situation. So it's like, you know, on one hand, you have somebody that you're concerned about. And on one hand, you have somebody that you're saying you're concerned about their anorexic, you're talking about their weight, you're so focused on it, but it's not even their fault. Mm -hmm. But I, I have to say that the calling out of anorexia versus just being skinny, I think was a really important part of us growing up and and like being able to really acknowledge that. Totally. Because there is a difference. And even though it was invasive and it wasn't right, it was something tangible that you could look at and be like, okay, I understand that this is not how I should look. Totally, totally. Um, So in 2003, this was kind of the start of her legal issues. So she was arrested in Malibu for driving with a revoked license and for the possession of heroin. So a couple months later of that year, she checked herself into rehab and she was sentenced to three years probation. So three years later in December, she was arrested after she failed a field sobriety test and she was charged with the DUI and several people reported seeing her car entering the freeway on the exit ramp um, and traveling in the opposite direction of traffic. It's just so scary to think about. Wow. So she admitted that she was using um, weed and Vicodin before the incident. And one year later in 2007, 2007, this is when she was sentenced to four days in jail at the Century, Century Regional Detention Center. But she ended up serving 82 Do minutes. Do you remember that? Yeah. it's. I'll never forget Nicole Richie serves 82 minutes in prison. And this is a quote from the spokeswoman of the Sheriff's Department. She told people, quote, Nicole was released early due to overcrowding in the jail system. This is standard procedure for nonviolent offenders. What I have to say to that is, Bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe for nonviolent offenders that come from wealthy backgrounds and like this, it's so bullshit. We're not going to get into it now because we'll get so intense. But that statement just like, 
Especially at the time, fucking please. That statement literally is the pinnacle of the inequality in our criminal justice system. Because let me tell you something else. Fucking um, Karif, Khalif Browder. Yeah. He, that he did not have the same experience. I'll tell you that much. All of a sudden, there's there's room in the prison system. Yeah, all, yeah, yeah. It's just. Yep. Yep. I know him. <sighs> okay. Okay. Julia, my friend, if you're listening, you know exactly who you are. Just know we'll have a discussion about that later. Okay. So moving on to the dr- more of the drug stuff. So bottom line was that Nicole was addicted to heroin. Like it was. We kind of saw it coming. It was happening, and then she full blown got addicted. And she started using Coke when she was 18. And then it was like the gradual process, p- progression. progression. Yeah. Possession progression. It's a little. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, no, it's difficult. Don't worry. Thank you. It's a heroin. So we really only found out about it after her her um, DUI. Because when she when she was possessing yeah, the 2003 it. arrest. Yeah. Um, so both Lionel and Nicole have really been open in talking about her addiction. And, you know, more recently... People have been asking Nicole, you know, are you going to talk to your kids? And she said, of course. She like, it was like, I, I, it's an important part of my life. It was what I went through and I never, ever, ever want to see them going through it. And part of that is sharing my story. But Lionel Richie also, um, the, their relationship during this time was really interesting because he did an interview about Nicole's struggle with addiction. And he said, do you want to read it? It's yeah, real, do you want me to? Yeah, yeah. It's really I, it's, interesting. It's, yeah. it's really intense. He said... After the arrest, I went to her and I said, when I was growing up, I lost three friends. They were the hippest friends I ever knew in life. I said, it's going to happen to your generation. I don't want you to be in that list of three. Three months later, her friend died of an overdose. And I went back to her and very quietly, I said, I'm sorry to hear that. That's one. And sure enough, one year later, the second one died. And I said, that's two. And I got a phone call and she said, dad, I need help. I don't want to be the third one. I said, I'm with you. And I canceled my tour. I said, me and your mother, who didn't get along that well, me and your mother are checking into rehab with you. Oof, I just got the chills. I know. Yeah. I mean, talk about an involved dad. Right. That's what I was saying. Yeah. Like the, the, you know, it's a really interesting approach in the way that it was handled. And I don't know, obviously, what it was like inside their house or where she was living or what their relationship was like. If it was strained at the time, if it was really hard on him, but... You know, I I don't think you often see a lot of parents who are able to have that kind of patience and say, you know, forcing you to do this isn't going to help. And when you're ready and it kicks in for you, we will be there for you. Yeah. And just to go back to the thing about like how there was no distinction between his like biological children or Nicole, he would have done this if if his, you know, he would have done the same thing for her that he would have done for any of his other yeah, kids. Yeah, of like course. It, it was, there's no distinction. And I know it sounds kind of ridiculous, especially, you know, um, if you are adopted or if you have adopted and it's like, duh, those are, those are, we know that fully. I think part of the explanation here is the way in which she was adopted and the age at which it occurred. And there's a lot of moving pieces here. And and I don't think for everybody, it's so, you know, black and white as duh. Mm -hmm. No, I know. It's, it's just, it's just beautiful. The whole thing is just beautiful. So just to get into some of her relationship history, she dated um, Adam Goldstein, who's known as like DJ AM. Remember that? Yeah. Wow. He was in an episode of The Simple Life. He came to visit her when they were engaged. Yeah, that was such a throwback. And he like came to stay at the house that she was staying that at. That is such a throwback, Julie. Holy fuck. So they dated from 2003 to th- 2005, and they were engaged for nine months, and they ended up breaking up. And really tragically, four years after that, he died in 2009 um, from a drug overdose. Really yeah. sad. They were, that was a huge piece of her drug addiction from what I remember. And that was a huge loss. Yeah. You know? 
So 2006, which was a year after she broke up with Adam. In December. In December. Just um, in terms of the timeline of the arrest and all of that stuff, just yeah. to give you an idea. She started dating Joel Madden. And apparently what happened was that Joel kind of like begged Nicole to give him a chance. And finally she agreed to go out on a date with him, which is always how the best love story starts. Yeah. Take us to 2007. So 2007, they announced that they're having a baby. And in January of 2008, they gave birth to their daughter, Harlow Madden. And the first pictures of her, of course, of course, were sold to People Magazine for a million dollars. And it was, it kind of became very clear that Nicole had made that shift from party girl to mom. And I think in the beginning of, you know, when she first found out she was pregnant, she wasn't, I don't know if she was 100% clean or she got clean as soon as she knew she was pregnant. But, you know, if you look at the timeline of the rehab and the arrest and all that stuff, they coincide. For sure. You know, so— Because the thing is, there's one thing about being—it's not like you can't be a partier and also be a mom. The two can coexist. Yeah. But with what—her level of partying, it can't. No, no, like, you, you can't. can't be breastfeeding can't, yeah. and also be on heroin. You know what I mean? Like, the, truly, then that's that's kind of what was she was setting up for, setting herself up for. And she really, really, like, turned it around in such yeah. a positive way. And I think— In such an important way. She wouldn't—you know, it's not like— she was one of these normal party stories. I mean, she had a real heroin addiction, and, and it's just—she's she's very lucky to be alive still. No, she's she is. She's very lucky. Yeah. So a year after that, in September, she gave birth to their son, Sparrow. And in 2010, they were engaged, and they got married that same year, December 11th. And they—you know, we don't see too much of them. I would love to see more, but they seem like a really happy couple. Something that I always wonder is, do you wonder if they ever double date with Benji Madden and Cameron Diaz? I was Diaz? just going to say, don't you think that's the most underrated thing in the entire world, that Cameron Diaz and Nicole Richie are sister-in-laws? Number one, yes. And also just the fact that Benji and and Cameron are—are are they married? or Yeah. yeah. They, I think they're living out in Australia. They're really low-key. She's She She's gave totally. up acting. She—yeah, it's—they are—I think that, from what I understand, that— Nicole and Joel spend a decent amount of time in Australia, too. Really? Yeah, I read it somewhere. I mean, I, I could be so off, but I, I think they do. Imagine you go to Australia and you see, like, Liam Hemsworth, Benji, Cameron. Could you fucking imagine? Yeah. Oh, my Joe God. Jonas has a house there, too. Yeah, wow. Australia's a big place. Yeah. <laughs> also, not to um, forget about Candidly Nicole, which was a scripted, comedic kind of, like, faux reality show. And it was obviously starring Nicole. It premiered on July 17th in 2014 on VH1. And it was kind of just Nicole talking about her like daily adventures and her views on everything from style to relationships. It was, I don't know, how else do you want to describe that show? I don't know. It was, you know, I was never really into it, which is weird. I should have been. Um, And it wasn't that long ago. I feel like we haven't seen Nicole in so long, but really 2014 wasn't a long time ago. And Oh, sorry. Sophia Richie like appeared in a couple of episodes and I was watching a clip from one episode while I was doing the outline where Sophia's sitting there on her phone and Nicole's trying to talk to her and Sophia won't look up from her phone and Nicole's like, I am trying to have this relationship with you and you will not give me the time of day. Like they're going back and forth doing this hilarious thing. Nicole's older at this point. So she's like trying to impart her wisdom on her. Yeah. And she's, like, she's like, you don't even want to be like the sisters in 90210 with me. And they're like, and Sophia's like, I don't even know who you're talking about. <laughs> she's like, you don't know 90210? That was my, and Nicole's like, that was, I grew up on that. I, I learned everything from them. And Sophia looks up at her and gives her a look and is like, you learned everything? And she's like, yeah. And the second episode, they start doing cocaine. Like, <laughs> it was so funny, but it, it's really, I wish we could see them interact more. I really do. I think they're very close, but I think that Nicole is really low key now. And I think Sophia, honestly, even though she's with Scott and even though we see her a lot more and she's posting now, she's not, 
she's still pretty low key. A lot of her Instagram is a couple of pictures of Scott and a lot of, you know, really amazing pictures of her and a couple of her friends, but it's not like the insights of her life. No, listen, she's no Kim in terms of her openness. We get that question all the time about their relationship. We were talking about in our Patreon group last night, like, I genuinely don't know. I have no reason to believe that they are not on good terms, her and Nicole. I just think that they're not they're not the Kardashians in terms of the way that they're going to share it. Something could have happened. I have no idea. But I think my like gut is that everything's fine. Yeah, I think I think they have a very normal sister relationship, especially for such a large age gap. Remember, Sophia just turned 21 and Nicole's 37. So there's a 16-year age difference, which— We okay. got the irony there with the Scott. But uh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it, when you're siblings and you grow up like that, you kind of grow up in different houses almost. It is fucking fascinating, though, that— like they, we're 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 speculating as one of the reasons for them not being so so close could have been because of the age gap, and here she is dating Scott, who's the same age. That's hilarious to think. No, about. it is. I, I I totally recognize the irony there. It's, and please know we're not at all critics of their relationship, Sophie and Scott. If, if you oh listening, no, I want to talk about that. A we're we're going to get yeah. so much into it. Okay, so I have a lot of thoughts on the age difference. Okay, we are telling you guys about the best toothbrushes literally ever. It is the best way to simplify your morning, your evening. It's the simple electric toothbrush from Quip. I'm so like, are these not the best? The The best. best. Okay, there's so many different reasons. I'm going to tell you some. So first off, they have built-in two-minute timer pulses. So every 30 seconds, it reminds you when to switch sides and to help you kind of clean your whole mouth evenly. The reason for this is that up to 90% of us don't brush for a full two minutes or don't clean evenly, which honestly makes sense. Like I, I, I think I always do, but I am with people a lot of times where I'm like, there is no way that was two minutes. You know, you know, when <laughs> yeah. you like see this. Also, um, they have the multi-use cover, which works at a stand. It mounts to mirrors and it slides over your bristles to pack and protect your quip on the go. The reason for this is because it, you know, declutters your sink or cabinet and makes traveling with an electric toothbrush super easy. Plus, there are no wires or clunky chargers, and it runs for three months on one single charge, which is amazing. Also, the brush heads are automatically delivered. So there's a dentist-recommended schedule of every three months, and it's just $5. And basically, that's like a friendly reminder that it's time for a refresh, and you want to stay committed to your oral health and it's very important to kind of switch out your um, your brush heads. And fun fact, 75% of us use old worn out bristles that are ineffective. So they make it super easy. And that's honestly the reason I love it the best. I love not having to think and just knowing that it's going to be delivered to our door. So that's why I love Quip and why it's perfect for getting back into a routine. Quip starts at just $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash celebs right now, you can get your first refill pack for free. That's your first refill pack for free at getquip.com slash celebs. So Mother's Day is coming up, and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom, because realistically, no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter, and it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy, because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen. And every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. 
Do you feel comfortable transitioning now to Sophia? Um, totally. Okay. Sorry it took us this long, guys. No, it's hey. fine. <laughs> Me saying it's Wait, fine. <laughs> you, you're involved in my side of this. <laughs> so t- we're just going to like give you a little lowdown on Sophia. So growing up, she wanted to become a singer, which... First of all, I don't know if people know that. I didn't really know that. I did not know. She started singing when she was five and she started playing the piano when she was seven. So she would like make appearances at Lionel's concerts and she took vocal lessons from Beyonce's vocal coach. Who knew when she was 14? No, I didn't. She also apparently worked in the studio with Joel Madden, who is again, her brother-in-law. So apparently what happened was that she decided she didn't want to pursue music because she didn't want to feel like she was always in her dad's shadow, which we see that a lot with... um models and I mean listen a lot that they also do but a lot that they decide they don't want that yeah so then of course her career kind of transitioned to modeling so she started modeling at age 14 and her first feature was in Teen Vogue one year later when she was 15 she got her first fashion contract with this swimmer company called Mary Grace Swim and the next year she signed with um, Select Model Management which is a London-based modeling agency is she still with them do you know I don't think so. I don't think so either. I don't think so. Um, In terms of her, you know, she, listen, I think that it was only relatively recently that I feel like Sophia came into the, um, I mean, figure out how I want to say it, not into our orbit, but like into our scene kind of, you know what I mean? But you have to remember, she's a very prominent model. Like, I'm not saying she's a super, like a runway model like Kendall, but she's done um, Chanel, Dolce & Gabbana, Adidas, Michael Kors, Tommy Hilfiger. She's she's done a lot. Like she, she also modeled for Kanye um, in Yeezy season four. She's still, I think she signed to two agencies. I'm sorry to interrupt you. No. She, she signed to Select Model in London, but she's also signed to the same as her brother in New York. Yeah. I don't know, but she definitely has a, a very legitimate modeling career. I mean, uh, duh. Like, no, sorry, no. duh. She is, Julie, yeah. As, as we said, she is truly... She is the type of person where when you see her wearing something, it's like, yeah, I need it. I need it now. She's so unbelievably beautiful, really. Um, but anyway, in terms of her relationships, oh my God, I have so much that I want to say. Wait, I have to I, say I have to say one thought that I thought of before. Okay. Like not, did I say this to you or did I say it to someone else? Maybe it's I don't know until you say it. Sophia has, look right now, like 5.2 million Instagram followers. Let's look, hold on. No one go anywhere. Keep I'm, going while you... Okay, so I, I when I checked, I think 5. it was like 5.2, yes. 5.2 Instagram, million Instagram followers. She should have more. Put it in perspective for a second. Think about how famous we think she is. Kylie has 142 million. Yeah, why doesn't she have more? Do you realize there's a 137 million follower difference in between the two of them? Does that not seem insane to you? Yeah, I wonder. I guess she just needs to be in our orbit a little more. No, I think what it is is the fact, I mean, obviously forgetting about the Kardashian engine, but even the fact that she doesn't have like 50, I think it's because she is private, more private than Instagram would like. Yeah. Which more power to her. Like I I support it. It's hard. It's hard for us and our job. It's hard for people because you really have to find this balance between having such a respect for these celebrities and wanting to know, you know, you share with us what you want to share with us. It's your life. And we are not privy to any information. And still, on the other hand, being like, I'm so fascinated by you as a person. I genuinely like you as a person. And I want to know more. Yeah. It's, it's hard. It's so true. It's definitely an, a delicate line. So in terms of her relationship history, I just thought this was interesting. And I wanted to give you guys a little background. November 2012 to January 2013, she dated Jaden Smith. They were literally 14. So I can't imagine how serious that romance was. But still, just, again, Keep it in the fucking family in terms of 
Oh, my God. This is when it gets really fucking connected. Yeah. Okay. So three years later, in August 2016, was when Sophia and Justin Bieber dated. They dated for like a, a couple of months. Like two, maybe. And if you guys remember, please, God, tell me you do. And if you're in our Patreon, we're going to put this picture in the visual outline that we upload. She celebrated her 18th birthday with him in Cabo. These were the pictures that literally are the hottest fucking pop You have pop to pop. see them. You, I know you guys forgot about them because holy fuck, I did. First of all, they're both so hot. Like so hot. And it was them in, they were like leaning up against a tree. He like has, he's picked her up. Yeah. I want to take a minute? No, like I have nothing else to say. I, I never thought that relationship was like serious, but it was fucking fun to watch. I wish, I, there was really a part of me that wishes it lasted a little longer and we could have seen it play out. It's almost better that it didn't. I don't know the current state of Sophia and Haley's friendship. I, From what I can tell, they don't follow each other on Instagram, but I don't think there's beef there. And it's probably better that Sophia and Justin didn't date for longer because maybe there it would make it even more awkward between Haley and Sophia. I don't know. They work in the same industry. They probably have to, you They're know, in the interact same circles, a lot. They're I in mean, the same circle. But oh my God, I would have loved to see a little more Justin and Sophia action. That's a hot talk about sex tapes. Honestly, talk honestly, I think hotter than Haley and Justin. Yeah. Maybe. I oh, have right to say, there. clearly Justin has a type because those two are from what I can tell, very similar looks, personality, job, you know, all yeah. famous family connections, all of that, very similar. For sure. So in 2017, which was um, one year after, she was rumored to be dating Brooklyn Beckham. We didn't really know much on that, but it also was a rumor. Hot. Also a really hot couple. Yeah, and I have then, such a thing for Brooklyn Beckham. Yeah. I really do. You do. I re really do. Mm -hmm. um, and then in the next year, she was apparently dating the race car driver. Is it Louis or Lewis? I don't know. Lewis Hamilton, Louis Hamilton. Do you know it as well? I'm going to say Lewis for sake of this, but correct me if I I'm wrong. I forgot to watch my race car. <laughs> he is really famous though. He's he, Him and Will Smith are always together. Him and Bieber are always together. He's also really hot. Yeah. Um, and then May 2017, she started dating Scott. And when they started dating, she was 19 and he was 34. He's now 36 and she's 21. Oh my fucking Let's God. Let's talk about it. Well, yeah. You don't want to? Nope. Obviously, I do. It's all I want to talk about. Let me start by saying a couple of things. Are we going to save the 21st birthday part for the recap, or should we talk about something now? Let's, um, are you saying the details of what your thoughts are on him at her 21st birthday? Yes. No, let's save that. Okay. So Sorry, guys. <laughs> no, it's okay. We have to get into it tomorrow. There's yeah, so much. There's so much. I just think it's going to flow better with the conversation. I, I want to talk about the general feelings on your on their relationship now. Yeah. Well, first, I want to say that we're only very recently starting to get more of an insight into their relationship because when it first started, like they were, they got so much hate and not hate from necessarily like Kardashian quote stands, some of that, but also just like from the general public. People were very displeased, I think, um, that they were dating. Yeah. If you remember... When they first started dating, Kendall, a picture, I, I want to say, let's say Perez Hilton, someone uploaded it, a paparazzi picture of them in the car with Mason and Penelope. And Kendall commented, aw, Scott and his kids, which we posted. I'll never forget posting that. I'll never forget making a meme about that. Yeah. Oh, my God. I made a meme. That, should we tell that story? Yeah. So when Scott and Sophia first started dating— Separate and apart from comments, I, as Julie, on my Twitter, made a meme about Scott and Sophia. And I, I don't remember the exact wording. It was like Scott and so like, it was like Scott and his kids. Same vibe. And 
it like it like went like it got picked up a little bit. But what ended up happening was I gave my phone to Isabel and she sent it to a bunch of meme accounts. By the way, if you are listening to this and you are a meme account and you got sent that picture of Scott and Sophia 15 times, it was not my fault. My photo (laughs) was left with Isabel. And I often think about the fact that if somebody sent us a meme 15 times in a row and it kept going to the, I would freaking lose it. I know. Um, Anyways, so at the time, we hadn't told Isabel yet that we were running comments together. It was still a secret from her, which is unbelievable thinking about now. I don't even know why we did that, but it was fucking funny. (laughs) I left my phone with Isabel for her to send. And she went to my photos to send the picture and found a shared album on my phone called um, Celebrity Comments. And I walked back. I got out of the shower. I went to the room to get her to her room to get the phone from her. And she was like, don't talk to me. I'm like, what? She was like, you goddamn liar. She was like, I know. I go, what do you know? She goes, I know. know. I go, you don't know. She goes, I know. (laughs) Julie, and they were at school together and I I wasn't. I was so scared to tell her. She was, she's like, okay, don't freak out. And I was like, she was going to find out anyway. Like it's, and it was, oh my God, it was so much better when she knew, but it was so funny because I'm like, you don't know. You don't know. And oh my God, I completely forgot about this whole thing. It was so funny. And then the next day, we had gone out that night and the next day I had the one of the worst hangos, hangovers I've ever had. And it was like, this is your punishment for lying yeah, to me. Such this a is your punishment. Yeah, that's why our group chat is called The Affair. Because it was like Julie and yeah. I were having an affair away from our other group chat with Isabel. Anyway, so just back to the whole Scott and Sophia thing. You know, so yes, in the beginning, it was definitely met with a lot of displeasement. And now you see she's fully integrated into the family. We're going to get into the Kylie thing in a minute. But in terms of my thoughts on their relationship, I... First of all, I really like them both as people individually, Yes. again, from what we know. And I think Scott seems really happy. I think she seems good with the kids. I think she gets along with the family well. I'm not one to judge an age difference because I think that, you know, you have to remember that a 21-year-old's regular person is very different than a 21-year-old's Sophia Richie in the sense of number one, when you grow up in Hollywood with all that, when you're, you know, you're taking private, it's a, it's a different, like how that was when... Do you guys remember when Kylie was dating Tyga and people were giving her shit for it? Chloe came and defended her and was like, Kylie is not your average 17-year-old. And there's a lot of truth to that. What? You, no, I just have so many thoughts, but no, I, I'm no, waiting no. for you to finish. No, no, no. Go, well, we're going to be going back and forth all day. I just, you know, I don't, that, the age difference is not what I have an issue with. I don't really have an issue with any of it. I think, you know, let's let's keep in mind that it's new and it's Hollywood and I'm still holding out hope for Scott and Courtney if that's what works best for them. But I think that it seems right now that they do have a healthy relationship. I think they have a shockingly healthy relationship, actually. And I think the age difference is something I think about a lot, especially because how hypocritical would it be for us and how often we talk about like how into older guys we are and whatever for us to then criticize that age difference. And I don't at all. I think what people have to understand and putting it in this terms is that You're right. Sophia is not a normal 21 year old. But when you think about an age difference and you think about Scott and Sophia, you are thinking 36 to 21. And that's what you have in your mind. And you are thinking, who do I know that's 36 and who I know that's 21? And it's like, oh, my God, imagine if this guy was 36, who's an established man, was dating this girl in college. And here she is having all these experiences and they're dating. It's not the same when you are past that phase in your life, I don't think it's the number age that defines you. I think it's your experiences at those ages that define you and define how old you are and really like your maturity level. And what, you know, Sophia is at 21 is probably what the average person is at maybe 26 or 27. And that, you know, I, and keeping in mind that her mom and Lionel Richie had probably a 12 year age gap also. I think she's 56 now and Lionel's 70, so 14 years. It's nothing that she's, 
that that's new to her. And, and when you've kind of grown up with this idea that the age isn't a big deal, then it, it opens up that door in your dating life for you to have that. And I think she just, she doesn't find it a big deal. And I can understand, you know, there are so many people talking about older men in Hollywood dating younger women, right? It's it's like almost an epidemic where it's like, oh my God, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio can't date anybody older than 25. And it's the joke. And I think we definitely see that kind of age discrimination almost. And, you know, it's something I find that I do a lot where I find out that somebody who's like older, wealthier is dating someone their own age and I get shocked by it, which is so not right. It's so weird. It's such like an innate thing. And I'm yeah. like, oh my God, look at him. He's dating a 40-year-old. Wow, like that's crazy. I can't believe he's not dating some hot 22-year-old. And I think it's just interesting that we have that mentality. And I don't know if it's right that these guys are so attracted to girls who are younger or, or like so beautiful and at a younger age. But I also don't think it's wrong. I don't think there's an, I don't take issue with it. I think that not all situations are created equal. Like I can have a much more under, I can understand a lot more people being like, okay, Dennis Quaid, who's like 65 dating this 22 year old or like Caitlyn Jenner dating, Caitlyn Jenner, who's about to be what? 70, 70 also. Dating 21-year-old Sophia Hutchins. Like, again, I'm not judging it, but I could understand. Especially that- you, Dennis. We are not judging you. And if you decide that you want to date someone even younger or not her, <laughs> we're right here for you. Don't even worry about it. You're going to be okay. I promise. <laughs> I'm sorry, Katie Craig. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Sorry, mom, also. <laughs> when Katie's on subsoil, she's like, please, no, that's too old. But anyway, I can understand that more. I have to say a couple things. First of all, I don't think that's Scott's thing. Like, yes, he loves young, beautiful women, but he also loves Courtney, who's his age, who's older than him. Yeah. Like, I don't think I don't think it's his thing either. I think he just has a connection with Sophia, and of course, she's beyond attracted to her. I mean, you literally, how could you not be? But I don't think that's what it is. Like, I he doesn't give me that le- like if we're gonna call it a Leon- Leonardo DiCaprio vibe, which is like physically can't date after twenty three. Like, I, that that doesn't scream Scott Disick to me. I don't think so either. I think people are really critical of their relationship. And I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, a lot of people wanting him to be with Courtney and they're going to point to that one age difference between him and Sophia and say, that's why it can't work. It could work. It could totally work. You know, who are we to say that they're not going to get married and have kids? Who knows? Like, I I don't necessarily see it, but who the fuck knows? You have no idea. I just... I don't know the whole thing. I hate even talking about the age different thing because I feel like we are so we all of us, literally anyone is so unqualified. You know what yeah. I mean? Like what what right do we have to speculate if if whether or not like it's one thing if she's under 18 and that's like gross and creepy and all that stuff. I don't get the creepy vibe. And I, I don't think it is either. Some people do. Listen, some people are we got a lot of responses to our story of them last night being like, ew, like don't he's like her babysitter. I don't know. I don't I don't go on that same thought train. I can understand the mentality um, of people looking at these Hollywood stars dating younger women and finding issue with it and thinking it's almost predatory or whatever. I can understand that mentality and I get where everyone is coming from. And in some cases, yeah, it totally seems like this. I just don't think this is one of them. And I think that this isn't just a surface level relationship. I think a lot of times when we see older men in Hollywood dating younger women, it seems very surface level. And it just seems like, okay, I want to have this hot girl on my arm. And and the really Scott and Sophia's relationship to me seems very deep. And I'm constantly blown away by how mature Sophia seems, especially for her age, but just in general. To date somebody in that world, in that, you know, co-parenting situation with kids, I think that it would be hard for anybody, no matter if you're if you're 21 or if you're 50, to come into that situation and handle it as gracefully and as well and as calmly as Sophia seems to. Totally agree with you, Julie. I, I really do. 
It's not a normal 21-year-old behavior. So I think it is hard to say, you know, Scott's dating this 21-year-old, how, you know, how fucking weird. When it's like, when you're looking at her and you're really like acknowledging, you know, what she does in her day-to-day life. Also, she's not like a going out partier. You never see that really. It's not her thing, which could be because she wasn't 21, but (laughs) neither was Paris and Nicole in the early 2000s. But what I'm saying is I don't, I think she is in a different stage in her life than the vast amount of 21-year-olds are. And I think it contributes a lot to her ability to date Scott without age playing into it. Yeah, and I want to say one last thing, which is I think in a lot of these situations when the um, woman is so much younger, a lot of people say like, oh, she must have daddy issues. Like you hear that line all the time. And we know for a fact in this case, that's not true at all. If anything, she has an incredibly um, healthy relationship with her father and one that from everything I've seen, just like from what I've observed, it seems like if anything, he did instill this, this level of like self-respect in her. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it, it's different when you grow up with a dad who, who really um, like ingrains that into your mind that like you deserve to be respected. You yeah. know what I mean? I think that, you know, there were definitely rumors and I think there were quotes even from Lionel about their relationship, kind of hoping it was a phase or yeah, just whatever. Was- but I think that as a father and especially Lionel Richie, you know, in the industry, seeing everything that he's seen, I think that if he feels that Sophia is respected by Scott and he feels that this is a healthy relationship that she that's not damaging to her, that's not standing in the way of doing what she needs to do, I can't imagine a scenario in which he wouldn't be okay with that. Let's not forget, this has been two and a half years now. Yeah. They started dating in May of 2017. We're almost at two and a half years. So for everyone who was like, oh, they won't make it another month. And they could break up tomorrow. I don't know. We'll get into tomorrow about how I think they've he... definitely proved people wrong. That's yeah. what I'll leave it at, yeah. And and listen, they could break up. And we'll get into on Wednesday's episode about, um, like, the way he looked at her birthday party and all that kind of stuff. Because I do think that there's some, you know, I think that when when the age is right in his face, as it was at her 21st, like, maybe he has a second of, like, fuck. But generally, I don't think that it bothers them. Yeah. I would okay. love to hear everybody else's opinions also, though. So inbox us. And if you have, like, a really strong opinion about why the age difference is, like, not right or you— you For this particular for this situation. Particular, not, not even just in terms of— Listen, there's there's clearly a, a whole epidemic, like you were saying, and especially I think that it contributes to, like, ageism and women's, like, need for youth and inability to feel okay with aging. Like, this war on aging as if it's a bad thing, as if aging isn't the biggest gift because if you don't age, you die. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so, yes, there's that whole thing. We're just talking about this. Okay. Sorry. Wow. I could talk about that till the day, till I, the day die. I die. I know. I, I could never run out of things to say about yeah. it. I really couldn't. We're, we're really almost done here. Um, we would just want to touch on her relationship with Kylie because it seems to be a topic that people are curious about. So they were friends prior to her ever dating Scott. They When they were teenagers, they kind of ran in similar circles. Like we were saying, when you're in LA, there's a couple of private schools you're going to and everybody's friends. And also Jaden Smith, as you guys know, they're both very good friends with Jaden Smith and Sophia dated him. That could have been another link. Yeah. And... Nicole and Kim were also friends when they were younger, in addition to Kim and Paris, obviously. Which is interesting because if you see, Sophia and Paris are so close. I literally put in a section about it so we could talk about it because I think that that's a whole other relationship. I'm reading what you wrote. interesting. Julie wrote, we've seen Sophia with Paris at many Kardashian events since her and Scott started dating. They clearly have a big little sister relationship. Presumably Paris would have played a huge role in Sophia's childhood. I think that's spot on. Think about your older sister's best friend. I'm closer with my older sister's friends and even my younger sister's friends, then I probably am a lot of the time with them, which is a whole other thing. But no, but um, yeah. you grow up with them. And it's like, you know, you have this same big sister, little sister looking out, wanting to protect, um, really like involved in the fundamental years of your life, especially when it's a childhood friend, without that familial obligation. 
it like cr- almost creates for the perfect scenario. It's like you get to have an older sister and I don't have to fight my parents for their attention. Yeah. It's like, what else could you ask for? Yeah. I mean, I don't have siblings, so I can't fully really, but it makes so much sense to me logically. And I think that like, I don't know what we see from them is that they're very close, her and Paris. And in terms of her and Kylie, you know, we weren't sure, like we were saying how she was perceived by the Kardashians. And it wasn't really until May of this year at Scott's 36th birthday, which was, remember, a super low-key affair, when we started to see like, wow, Sophia is effectively in Kylie Jenner's friend group. And then ever since then? Okay. Kylie skin trip, right? She took her closest friends. Sophia's there. Sophia's 21st. It was Kylie, Stoss, all of them on the private jet. We knew those girls as, as Kylie's friends. Sophia has fully made her way into that friend group. And in a very short period of time. Yeah. It's now, think about it. It is August. That was May. That is not, this, we're not talking years. We're not talking, even talking a full year. We're talking a couple of months here. It also could have been a little something of like, okay, as Kylie, like, Courtney's my sister. Let's see how chill she is with this before we even dive in head first. And then it's like, okay, she's chill with it. Like, listen, if Courtney's going on vacation with her, I can go to Vegas with her for her 21st, you know? Yeah, I have this suspicion that Kylie always wanted to have a relationship with Sophia and was actually really excited when Scott and Sophia started dating because I think she really likes Sophia and has a lot in common with her and, and you know, all of that. And I think it just took Courtney's acceptance to be able to make that move for them to be really good friends again. I, I can't imagine a scenario, and I could be off, I can't imagine a scenario in which Courtney is as okay with it as um, yeah. it comes off that she may be. Like, I can't imagine a scenario in which the guy you're dating, you used to date, that you have three kids with, is dating someone new and your sister's best, best friends with them, and you're just totally okay with that. You know, there's being, you know, fine with it, being happy with it, putting on the face, you're okay. But there's going to be deep emotions there. It'd almost be weird if there wasn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, I mean, I I feel that about just in general with Scott, like forget about Kylie's involvement, just like Sophia's involvement with the family and Scott. Like, I think Courtney is so happy for him and wants him to be so happy, but I still, and again, this is like not rooted in any sort of knowledge other than my own like gut, is that I think she still has a hard time with the idea of like, he for like for the first time he's not vying for me like he's happy with someone else like and I'm happy for him but wait a second I thought I was the one that he always would like die for it could also you know also be this thing where it's like I took this guy from the time he was in his 20s shaped him up got him in place he has kids with me he got so like a sense of fatherhood and responsibility for me. And now she gets to reap all the benefits of that. Like I so get it. And it it may not be how Courtney feels or it may be how she doesn't even recognize that she feels, but it's such a human response. I don't blame her for that. If she does, I think it's, you know, Scott and Courtney, when you look back on the relationship, it's like you watching it and the way and how volatile it was and how not good it was. There's a part of you that's like, thank God that he's with Sophia because now Courtney and Scott are able to have this relationship that they were never able to have. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I don't see Scott reverting back ever. I don't see Scott going back to his old ways. So it's like, well, why can't they be together? If he's like this now, then what, what is it? Do you think that she makes him so crazy that he would do that? I, I, I have so many I know, questions. I know. We'll talk more about this tomorrow. We'll really get into it. I, I have a, literally a million. I just had the best idea. What? Ever. It's what? the most illogical fake idea ever. The purge, but HIPAA doesn't count for a day. So I just go to Courtney's therapist and she lays it on me. Oh my God. Wow. And Isabel's nodding like, (laughs) yeah, that's incredible. Well, you can't because there's no way we would ever get rid of it. Who would be the first person you would talk to if HIPAA was 
Your dad's doctor. <laughs> literally, literally, no. Yeah, one of the, uh, definitely a celebrity therapist. And I wouldn't tell people, I just, for my own personal no, knowledge. No, no, no. No one else needs to know. Come yeah. On. Oh, God. That's a whole other, we'll do that as a bonus episode yeah. for Patreon. That's hilarious. Okay, anything else you want to add? Um, no, I don't think so. I loved this episode. I, I the really like. There's so many aspects to these Hollywood families that we don't always talk about because they're not as, quote, relevant anymore. But I also think it's so interesting to watch the torch get passed down. Lionel to Nicole to Sophia. It's like, it's so crazy that they're all in the same family and they all, because I think we think of them as such three separate entities. Yeah, and they're not. And Miles is one attractive motherfucker, let oh, me tell God, you. He, yeah, you guys got to look into Miles. You got to look him up. He's hot. I mean, I'm not even typically into tattoos really, but he's he's hot. It's the cheekbones. Um, yeah. Okay, guys, we will see you on Wednesday. We're recording again tomorrow with Darren for our regular episode. And then we have two more Kardashian bonus shows till the season starts. I cannot wait. Um, please remember to rate us five stars and leave a nice review if you feel so inclined. Anything else you want me to add? Nope. Okay. Love you guys. See you tomorrow. Let's talk about baby making for a second because... It's really not as simple as it's made out to be, meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Free to Fertility. Free to Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern, effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Frida Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you.